Hey everyone, and welcome to Cozying Up with the Clear Cut, where we get up close and personal with women that inspire us. Today, I'm super excited to sit down with Diana Cohen. She's the founder of Crown Affair, and we actually went to college together at NYU. So this is a really fun meeting, and we're going to talk all about how she launched her business, scaled it, and all of her past experience in startups and what that taught her. Hey everyone, and welcome to Cozying Up with the Clear Cut, where we get up close and personal with women that inspire us. Today, I'm super excited because we have Diana Cohen. She's the founder of Crown Affair and also my college classmate. Yes. <laughs> it's so good seeing you and congratulations on all your success. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. Congrats to you as well. <laughs> I feel like we've been on a journey the last decade, so. And I know that you... I mean, when we were in college, you were really into like art, art history, right? Yes, I was an art history major and an Italian minor. So how did you take your like passion for art and art history? And I know that you have had a background in like startups before starting your own company. Yeah. So kind of walk me through that journey. Yeah, so went to NYU, my dream school. I studied art history and I was always really passionate about fashion and design. So while I studied art history, at school, I always interned at fashion houses or at publications. You know, Valentino, I interned at just like this really cool jewelry company, like all these places that you was really like in kind of like the building stages of how you build a company. And mm -hmm. my last internship, which turned into a full-time role was at Into the Gloss mm -hmm. back in 2012. So that's really where I became obsessed with beauty and the internet was kind of becoming what we know a it thing. is today, <laughs> a thing. And I feel like, you know, when we first went to college, like Instagram didn't exist. Mm -mm. But by the time that we left, like that was very real. I think the right. How was old the do wall. we sound that it's like when we were in college, Instagram didn't exist. By the way, we're old now, FYI. <laughs> no, I like don't feel old, but when I hear things like that, I'm like, oh my God. I know. It's really crazy. So, you know, that for me, I, I kind of knew I wasn't going to work in art because I've always been really interested in e-commerce and consumer behavior. However, I do think as you have a brand and you've built a universe as well, I do think studying art history deeply informed like the marketing and brand storytelling that I do today. Mm -hmm. So yeah. So I know that, so you worked it into the gloss and yeah. then were you at some, you were at Away, right? And some other big startups. Yeah. So I started at Into the Gloss back in 2012. Mm -hmm. And then I was very lucky to be an early employee at a range of consumer brands mm -hmm. from the last decade. Um, I was actually at dinner last night with one of the co-founders of Bonobos who just wrote a book and we were reminiscing about the 2010s in New York yeah. and what a different time it was. And yeah, I was really on the ground. I was at a company called Spring, which mm -hmm. was a mobile shopping app. I back remember in, that. Yeah, which was amazing. We had over 300 direct consumer brands on the platform when we launched. Mm -hmm. So early days of Outdoor Voices, Harry's, Everlane. It was a really, really fun time in terms of like brand building mm -hmm. and understanding why people buy things. So yeah. I loved that. And um, yeah, after I was at Spring, I worked with Tamar Mellon, who founded Jimmy Choo, mm -hmm. to launch her luxury direct-to-consumer shoe line as a consultant. I then worked at Away. I was one of the first employees there. That's crazy. Which was a really incredible experience. I was head of partnerships and helped on the influencer and ambassador side, which That's obviously so was such a big time, you know, with Instagram then. And then after leaving Away full-time, I 
launched my own brand agency called Levitate, um, which is what got me on the Forbes 30 under 30 list. I know you're on that yes. as well. I think we might've been the same year, but um, you know, worked with Outdoor Voices, building their influencer and ambassador strategy. Harry's launching their women's line. I worked with a men's brand, Buck Mason. So I kind of dipped my toe in all these startups and got to be very close to the founders. But obviously, as you know, when you launch your own business, it's a totally different thing. But by the time that I was ready to launch Crown Affair, I felt like, okay, I've done this with other people. I've been a part of building teams. I've learned a lot about what to do, but also a lot of what not to do. Right. Um, I think as an early employee, you really see the breaking points of what it means to scale a business and the realities of building a business and figuring out your product market fit and all of those things. So... Yeah. So you were the founder of a business. So how did you decide to pivot and leave that behind? I'm assuming you're not doing that anymore and launch your hair care brand. Yeah, I know. I know <laughs> I have the same amount of hours in the day as Beyonce, yeah. but I definitely can't do both of those No, no things. I mean, I'm like, you're doing a lot. You founded two yeah, companies yeah. in the last like two years. I know. No, you know, I think it was a brand agency. Right. And the business model of an agency is obviously really different than running a consumer goods business. So mm-hmm. I knew that the agency at that point in my life was a way for me to leave full-time life mm-hmm. and like create the structures that I wanted. Um, this was all pre-COVID, but I was like, I kind of want to work from home. Like <laughs> I want to choose who I'm working with. I want to create my own hours. And Obviously, when you're working full time for someone, you don't have that flexibility. So I built enough of a community and network that I knew that I could take on consulting clients and figure it out. But it was definitely a journey. Like, I mean, I'm sure, you know, you setting up an LLC, figuring out your scope of work. What do you charge people? How many months do you sign someone on for? So, you know, I did that for two years. And I think the hardest part is like saying no to taking on more because you know, there's so much opportunity to work with people. I think client flow wasn't so much the issue. It was like, how do I do all of this? Do I really want to build a team around this? Something I know about myself and my team will be the first people to say this, but like, I'm actually not a great manager. Um, (laughs) I think that's like the thing that comes like least naturally to me too. I think creative people, entrepreneurial people, I mean, some people have the superpower, but everyone I've ever worked with in my life who was either a great manager for me or people I brought onto my team, that is their superpower. Mm -hmm. And they care for people and they grow them. I love mentoring people, but I think management and mentorship are so different. So for me, there was a clear point where I was like, I'm working with all the clients I love. I don't think there's that many more out there. I don't really want to continue to build an agency. So for me, and, and at the same time, I was starting to work on Crown Affair, very nights and weekends. And when I had my first kind of sample product and I was giving it to friends for feedback, that was when I was like, I should probably take this step and like not shut down the agency. I think I'll always, I mean, Levitate for me is this space where I can always work with founders. I mean, to this day, I love talking to founders and being like, Me too. yeah, like how do we literally levitate what you are innovating on? And I still light up and I love spending time with people, but there was definitely a point where I was like, I can't keep building this for other people. And I have an idea that people are excited by. So, you know, very tactically, I had all my contracts close and I was kind of self-funding Crown Affair. And then there was a point where I was like, I need to place orders for product right. and I want to hire a team. And that's when I was like, okay, I'm going to fundraise. And I gave myself, 
that was the summer of 2019. And I was like, I should figure, I want to figure this out by the end of the year. I'd saved up enough money to like give myself three to six months to see where it would go. Mm-hmm. Um, what inspired you to do hair care? I'm obsessed with hair. Okay. I don't know if you remember in college. No, I'm just kidding. But I, I've always, I had bangs in college. Yeah, I remember that. Like full They were very fringe. chic. Thank you. I, you know, it's so funny. That process of having bangs was like, when I grew them out, it was very emotional. No, yeah, traumatic. I was you like, go through lots of stages. So first of all, traumatic because you go through all the stages. But also I was like, I remember thinking to myself, I'm like, well, people recognize me. Yeah. Like it had become such a huge part of my identity. And I actually chose to grow them out while I was studying abroad junior mm-hmm. year. So I had them all through college. They were such a huge part of my identity. I always had really long hair too. Mm-hmm. And when I moved to New York, actually, it was the first time I was like, you know, drinking more, eating more in college, you know, mm-hmm. and I, my skin was not in a good state. So it really became a huge, like, security blanket for me in a way Mm -hmm. and it was a little bit later on after college when I was working at one of these startups that I was a very high stress environment and I started to see my hair change Mm -hmm. from the stress and from not sleeping and not taking care of myself and it wasn't like falling out in the way that maybe if you have a medical condition but like it was just starting to not feel as great as I wanted it to and that was a huge wake-up call for me where I started really researching like the ingredients and the products I'm mm-hmm. using. But foundationally, I've always been obsessed with hair growing up in Florida, which I know you did as well. Like as a kid, everyone would run to like the chlorinated pool and jump in. And I would like head to a bathroom sink or find something and like wet my hair because your hair is a fiber swells when it's wet mm-hmm. and it's better for it to be fresh water or tap water than chlorinated oh, I water. I have no idea. I mean, still a thing. And I always tell people like growing up in South Florida, like I legit thought I had frizzy hair and spent my whole <laughs> life trying to like defriz my hair. And the second I moved up here, I was like, I just yep. lived in a hundred percent humidity. <laughs> yep. Yep. That is, that's the truth. And it's so funny spending time in Florida now and living there. Yeah. So many people are like, how is your hair? I'm like, it is leave-in conditioner. Mm-hmm. It, your hair frizzes, your hair reaching to the sky for more and moist, more moisture. But once you move, you're like, oh, oh. <laughs> I love winter hair. Winter hair is my favorite yeah. thing. I'm like, this just feels so good. The one good thing about winter. Yeah. Um, so you decided to, what was your first product that you experimented with? Yeah, so transparently, I started working on tools because it's what I could afford to work on. Mm -hmm. When you start to get into the whole minimum order quantities with formulas Mm -hmm. and, you know, working with chemists and contractor manufacturers, it's it's a commitment. That was a really big step. I wanted to start working on tools because I had this Google Doc that I sent to a bunch of girlfriends of like the 12 things that you need to do to take care of your hair. It was basically a BuzzFeed list, but it was started (laughs) as an email and then became a Google Doc. And one of those things, I mean, it included like brushing your hair and here's when to brush and why you should brush. The whole concept of brushing for health, I think is like, nobody talks about it Mm -hmm. that much. Using a really high quality hair towel and like the things I would change about the hair towel, what I didn't like about the towels that I had, you know, oils that I liked and if you should use them in different weather, time of year, all of that. So it started with the foundational products from the Google Doc. I really wanted to start with the brush. I found an amazing partner in Italy that's been making brushes for over a hundred years. It's the same family, like deconstructing the brush that I used to recommend. It was like a $200 brush. I think Mm -hmm. everyone knows it. Like figuring out how we can make that more accessible, but still have the handcrafted quality to it. Mm -hmm. To me, I'm always like a brush is like your Harry Potter wand. It's like the thing that you carry with you. It patinas with you. 
it should be this beautiful ritual if you have straight or wavy hair at night, like moving those natural healthy oils. So that was the first step because a lot of people don't own a brush. I also really wanted to make a comb. Mm -hmm. I carry a comb with me all the time for detangling. It helps like prevent shedding. It's a great little scalp massage. And I don't know, it's just like a beautiful thing to be like, I should take care of my hair. Mm -hmm. That partner in Switzerland. So started with these really core products. And then the one formula product was the oil Mm -hmm. because the whole thing with Crown Affair, it's like, it's a clean brand, which is very important to me, but it's the, the main thing is that the product works. Right. And I was trying a lot of different products on the market and it was either like salon product that like really wasn't great for your hair in the long run, Mm -hmm. but like I loved the way it looked Mm -hmm. or it was like a lot of like whole foodsy, like natural and it weighed my hair down. Mm -hmm. And that's great for like an overnight mask or like a pre-oil shampoo situation. But I really wanted to figure out the intersection of like innovation and clean and effective and, you know, my friend who I helped launch, who helped me launch the business, he's a bioengineer and chemist, and we just dissected everything. And our hair oil is only five ingredients. The, wow. the core active Subaki seed oil is a very popular oil in Japan, and it's really hydrating, but molecularly isn't heavy, right. so it doesn't weigh your hair down. So in the states, you see a lot of coconut oil, you know, Moroccan argan yeah. oil, and. I realized that that wasn't actually doing anything for my hair. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I that was the first product. And to me, it's like, holy grail, great on dry or wet hair. And if you have no idea where to start with your hair, but you are like a little bit beyond just shampoo conditioner, I'm like, just start with a hair oil because it'll make your hair so healthy and just shiny. And it takes 15 seconds to apply it after you wash. Amazing. I yeah. love that. Um, so because you had experience working in so many early stage startups and a lot of them were like well-funded going yeah. into fundraising for your own business, were there any like lessons or learnings that you took from your past experience, um, good or bad to apply to how you were going to do it? Yeah. Oh my gosh. Do you have 12 hours? Because yeah, we'll get into it. it. <laughs> um, yes, absolutely. I mean, on one hand, I knew I needed to fundraise because it was the experience I had in mm. terms of hiring, in terms of resources, marketing, like shout out to everybody out there bootstrapping because it is really, really hard. I do think there's more awareness around it now post the pandemic and just the landscape has changed so much. So much. When I was fundraising, which was, you know, a couple at the end of 2019. So not too far out from COVID. But like a totally different time. Totally different mm-hmm. time. Like the momentum around it was just really different. I was super fortunate to have interest in people wanting to talk to me because I came from right. these direct consumer startups. However, the learnings from them was like, you actually don't want to overraise. Like if you, it's really hard to scale consumer products. I think a lot of the companies I was working for were operating in a tech headspace. And the reality is, is it's really hard. I mean, it's really hard to scale consumer, you know, getting people to buy stuff and acquisition was starting to get really expensive. Again, like if you told me the words TikTok when I was fundraising, I'd be like, is that the Kasha song? Like I have no no idea. Nobody knew. Um, But I would say my learnings are like, I always say like raise enough to do what you need to do. I really want an excellent team. I want the highest quality product. I was not able to do that on my own. And there was definitely a tipping point where I was like, I put a little bit of my own money into the product development and I was ready 
to really grow this business. And the good news is with startups, it's a lot of upfront costs, the website, all setting everything up. Um, but as many businesses as there are, there are as many ways to run a business. So I always say to people like, play the cards you're dealt, do what makes sense for you. And when it comes to investors, you are like really getting married to these people. Like Mm -hmm. you want to make sure you're philosophically aligned. And for me, that meant not just focusing entirely on top line revenue at all, you know, at any expense. Like a lot of consumer brands I worked for were like tons of money in paid marketing, not thinking about lifetime value. And, you know, beauty is also a different category. Like it isn't just about the first purchase. It's about the repeat and that person becoming super loyal and to work with investors who understood beauty mm-hmm. and that business model. And it's similar for food and bev as well. Mm-hmm. Um, that was super important to me. And I think like at least the companies that you were working for before you raised, like there was a specific kind of mindset, even when we like we were in Techstars in 2018 and it yeah. was that D to C time where like everyone is raising series A, series B, and just like no one cared about profitability. And now it's like the complete opposite because we're seeing like what happened to a lot of those companies because of that mindset. Yes, there's been a massive shift towards the the quote everyone uses is marching towards profitability. Yeah. um, Which is the whole thing. But, you know, to me, that's really important in order to sustain this business. And I would love to do this for a very long time. You need to. Yeah. You need to see a light at the end of the tunnel. And, you know, I think if anyone's listening and they're like, I have a brand, we're not profitable yet. I think that's okay. Mm -hmm. You have to build these stepping stones to where you want to go. But like working on a financial model where you're like, okay, if we hit these milestones, whether that's on your direct business with a retailer, you know, for us, we're in Sephora and it's really clear, like, okay, if we continue to build this and grow this, then we will be profitable. And that to me is the ultimate goal. I really do want to build a business that is sustainable, that people can work at for a very long time. And fortunately, we're in a good category to do that. So definitely. Hey everyone, Olivia here. Hope you're enjoying our episode. Our clear cut collection features fine jewelry pieces inspired and designed with you in mind. Our collection is ever-changing and each piece is handmade and made to order here in New York City. Don't forget to check it out and use the code COZY, C-O-Z-Y, for free shipping on any purchase. Okay, so we're going to play a fun diamond game where we're going to rate diamond rings... From one to 10, one being your least favorite, 10 being your most favorite. And there's no right or wrong answer. This is just like your personal preference. Amazing. Okay. So let's start with this one. This is a five carat emerald cut. Um, It's set in tapered baguettes with a platinum band. Okay. I mean, this is incredible. It's for your personal taste. It's for my personal taste. And am I reading them independently or with each other? Independently. Honestly, I give this one like a nine. Okay, that's very high. It is. I don't know what else is coming, but I actually originally wanted an emerald cut before my husband got me my ring. Uh-huh. Um, I'm glad he knows me better than I know myself, which is why. But to me, this is like elegant and just beautiful. So for your next ring. For my next ring. Engagement. Apparently, Victoria Beckham has like 13. 15. 15. I know. I always say that I'm like, that's what's going to happen with me. Yes, me too. The next one is a five carat modern cushion cut. This one's set in a rose gold band with a hidden halo. Okay. See, this one for me is like a four. Mm-hmm. 
less my vibe. I do like rose gold. I'm very freckly and pale, so rose gold is very complimentary, but I it's a beautiful diamond, but But it's not for you. Why? Not, um you know, it's I mean, this is really pretty on the side. I think I like almost something that's more angular. Mm-hmm. And I do like that it's standalone. I will say that. Like it has its own presence, which is yeah, the solitaire is beautiful. But not for you. Less into it. Okay, four. Perfect. <laughs> This one is an old European cut. It's 2.75 carats, and it's set with two sapphire pear shapes mm. on the side. Okay, this one's really chic. It's not my style, but I have about three very good friends that I feel like this is their aesthetic, which mm -hmm. I love for them. This one to me is like a six. Six, so this one's higher than the last higher one. Higher than the last one. Okay. And I think it's because it has more of a unique personality to it. Mm -hmm. um, I love the sapphires on the side. And it feels very timeless. And I also really like what I love about this too. I feel like you can high and low this. Like you could wear the most chic couture outfit and it feels really elegant, but you could also wear like a vintage tee and jeans and it feels very personal and cool. Love that. Yeah. yeah I think this one's like very like cool girl or grandma, like in totally. borderlines. <laughs> it's cool girl and or grandma. Maybe you're a cool girl grandma, yeah. which I love for you if you are. Last but not least, we have an eight carat oval set in a pave <laughs> band um, in platinum. I mean... My my four point two over here is my ovals just just a little baby. Um, I'm kidding. I'm very grateful for my rings. Um, I mean, this is insane. Yeah, I'm less into a pave band personally. Yeah, but like, I mean, but like you would wear it. Yeah, I'd wear it. Um, I'd totally wear it. Okay, so from a stone perspective with the oval, she's a ten. Mm -hmm, but the ring. But she's got pave, so yeah. she's an eight. Okay. Wow. <laughs> but. Maybe she's still a 10. I, you know, if I was being honest, I might, I think I like the emerald, the vibe of the emerald, emerald one more. more. Okay, so eight, perfect. But she's a 10, guys. <laughs> the diamond's 10, the ring's diamond's an eight. Diamond's a 10, ring's an eight. Thank you for playing. I loved it. This is, can, can I play this every day for the rest yeah. of my life? I mean, we'd play this every day. Is this day. what you get yeah. to do? Yeah. Oh my God. I love it. This is a game we, <laughs> we're playing. Oh, I get it. So to just stay on the topic of jewelry for one second, I love jewelry specifically because it can have such like sentimental value emotional meaning attached to it do you have any like specific pieces that are extra special to you and why yeah i mean i feel like my engagement ring mm -hmm. i'm sure a lot of people say that but um we got engaged two years before the pandemic happened uh -huh. um so we were engaged for a while but my husband secretly he did the entire thing when he asked me we kind of were having a light conversation about what i would want mm -hmm. and i had actually said what i just shared with you I'm like, i want emerald cut i was thinking very like this is so obvious but i was like very like harry winston yeah, like, yeah. Get, like that's what i thought i wanted i think it was like the blair waldorf Char charlotte york deep yeah. within me that i don't like associate with anymore but i was like <laughs> that's classic and cool and he was just like, I don't know if that's actually you, like deep down. So we have a friend that he, a family friend he's known forever um, named Jade, who he like, he was like, let's just go get drinks. Turns out that her and I have been going to the same hairstylist for 10 years, mm -hmm. which if you know, it's like a pretty like getting, especially with me and hair, it's like the woman who's been doing my hair is very like downtown Vogue in a way. Her name's Teddy Cranford and she does all of the coolest girls. So I was like, oh, that's so cool that Jade goes to Teddy. 
she got the vibe. It was like the high low, the wearability of all of it. And he ended up going with an oval with a matte gold. It's I love dark. the matte. The matte's amazing so and it cool. has a knife edge cut. This is cut. clean. You're keeping this is very it clean. clean? Yes. Am I? Yeah. Ugh, I feel like when she steams it, it looks amazing. Yeah. But um, I love the knife edge. I always say it kind of has like a Lord of the Ringsy feel to <laughs> it, which is very me. Um, but yeah, it makes me really happy and I love looking at it and even without it, it doesn't matter, but it's a very nice symbol of that time. And honestly, it was such a special time, the engagement and even- How did he propose? So we met nine years ago, right after I graduated NYU at MoMA. Okay. So we're, I'm still part of it. It's a program called the Junior Associates. Because I studied art history, but I knew I wasn't working in art, I was like, I'm gonna join a museum program. A, it's a great way to meet people, but B, I just knew I was gonna get lazy about like going to shows and making time. So I joined it not thinking I'd meet my husband, right. but it was really a few years later too. It wasn't until like a year or two I was in the program that we met. Um, it was at a Renee Magritte walkthrough. They had an amazing exhibition in 2013 and I was talking to a friend who he also knew and he came up. I was at Into the Gloss at the time mm-hmm. um, and we just kind of vibed and then he was like, are you going to the the new photography walkthrough next week? He's like, let's get dinner after. Mm. And the rest is history and it'll be nine years this November. Oh, wow. I met my husband nine years ago too. No way. Right after NYU. Are you serious? Mm -hmm. How did you guys meet? In diamond school. No way. Yeah. (laughs) I remember when you went to diamond school and I was like, that's the coolest thing I've ever heard of. I was just like, how can I stay in school longer? I mean, (laughs) I understand. Now I remember when you started this, it was really so exciting and it's been crazy to see it grow from the site that you launched Mm -hmm. like 12 years ago now basically 10 years ago something it was i launched the site in 2016 so a while ago okay it felt like 2012 or 2013 in my head still it's that holds like time just melds together for me post-school so what are you know what are your like hopes and dreams and goals for crown affair in the next like five ten years (sighs) I mean, just continuing. It's so funny. I walk around New York and I'm like, this person needs this crown. You know, this person needs this crown. I'm like, I just, everyone's hair in the States is so like dry and Mm -hmm. like stripped because of all. Mine is so dry. I mean, mine is naturally too, but so much of it is like the sulfates and things just like, we love a lather in the States. We love to get squeaky clean. And the truth is, is it like strips your hair of all this stuff. And, you know, I understand wanting to like, fully bleach your hair but like it's tough and then you rely on things like olaplex or katein and it's like i just want the whole vision of how you care for your hair to shift in the way that i think skincare or nutrition has Mm -hmm. like the idea that a crash diet's gonna work for you like it's the same for your hair like you have to really care for it and be consistent and i think shifting your headspace to celebrating your hair versus feeling so disempowered by it like the amount of conversations i have where people are like almost like her, we're like, oh my God, her ring's dirty. But like, it's it's like people feel so disempowered by their hair. Mm-hmm. And I think part of that is just the culture of you go to a salon, they cut it wet, they blow, don't really know your texture, blow it out, you feel great for a few days and then you're home and you're like, what do I do with my, yeah. like it doesn't look the same. So for me, the, the next five to 10 years is about empowering so many more, more women to care for their hair and, and view it a different way. And then more on the business side, I mean, expanding in Sephora doors, going international, continuing to grow our team, launching more products mindfully. I think 
you know, there's a lot of saturation in the beauty space, um, which I think our customer but I think community hair yeah. is a little bit less saturated, right? And the reason why is because it's really hard to make clean hair care products that mm-hmm. work. I think it's funny. I'll talk to investors or people in the space, and you're totally right. It's like, why aren't more people in hair? The answer is that it's really hard to do it well. Yeah, and. There's a lot of saturation, but it is a lot of legacy salon brands. Like right, even mostly. to this, yeah, mostly brands that have built their businesses off salon, not the like care or clean piece of it. So, I'm really excited. I feel like the the category is really ready for a shift, and um, hopefully, Crown Affair will feel like an overnight success in ten years. But you know how that goes. You have to show up every day and build it, and I'm really looking forward to that. Awesome. And if you had any pieces of advice for another like female founder who was like interested in launching a brand in the beauty space, what advice would you give to them? So many things. Well, first what we spoke about earlier, which is like gather your community, however that works, whether that's on a social platform or in a shared Google doc or an email list, like you got to have your early people, like those early people pre-launch and like your first 300 customers that like really care about the brand are going to grow with you. I always parallel it to like seeing a musician before they blow up. Mm-hmm. You're like part of that journey with them. And to me, that's like, the that's one of the most fun parts of building this. So don't forget to be really intentional about that. Um, if you're hiring, hire for someone who has the total opposite skill set of you. That was the other smart thing that I did. I brought on someone who really understood chemistry, supply chain, product development, because that's not my superpower. Um, but I, I had a vision on what I wanted the product to be, but bringing in an actual scientist and expert was like the most important thing I could do. And I, for a very long time, have done a lot of the marketing functions because I was okay. I loved doing it and I didn't want to spend my budget on something that I knew I could do, even if it was, you know, on a Saturday doing that work. Totally. Awesome. Um, well, I'm so impressed with how much you've grown in the past like couple of years and I'm so excited to try the product and where can everyone buy Crown of Hair, follow you, be up to date on everything? Yeah, thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, so you can find us on crownaffair.com or crownaffair on Instagram. We're also available at Sephora on sephora.com and we're at Goop and Violet Gray. And yeah, you can find us on social if you have any questions. I love chatting with people about their hair. So definitely hit us up. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you. That was such a fun conversation and reunion. It was so great to catch up with Diana and see all the amazing things that she has been up to for the past 10 years. I am so proud of her launch of Crown Affair and the amazing business it is. Can't wait to try all the products. Which one are you guys most excited to try?